Today's episode is sponsored by Femex, Radix, and RSK. You'll hear more about them later in the episode. Hey everyone, this is your friend Bully, and you're listening to Bully Esquire. In this podcast, we chat with the movers and shakers from the worlds of finance, tech, crypto, politics, law, and media, and everything in between. Thanks for joining. Let's dive in. This podcast is powered by Blockworks, the fastest growing crypto media company. Blockworks has 20 crypto and finance podcasts, and I'm excited to be part of the network. Visit blockworks.co for access to the highest quality information in the space. I promise you won't be disappointed. Uh, Today, I'm super excited. I got Charles on from uh, a famous face around crypto Twitter and Elsewhere, he's uh, the founder of Arbitrage Ops, um, which is an Amazon resale Discord channel and group. Charles, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, this is bringing up the old episode we did together, uh, <laughs> and now the roles are kind of reversed, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, man, I had to call in that debt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I owe yeah. this to you. Yeah. So, uh, what what is what is going on with your podcast? By the way, I, are you? Is it just sort of in hiatus right now? Yeah. So you know, it was going very well. I actually got to the point where I had sponsors. It's kind of what every podcast host is kind of looking for. Is you know, you start your podcast, you get your sponsors, you start getting paid, and you continue to put out good content. And you kind of funnel money back into it and grow it like that. Mm-hmm. And um, got to that point, and then. Some other stuff came up. The Amazon business started to pick up. And then this group that we started, which we can get into later, uh, got started. That was right at the beginning of the end of March. So right when COVID happened uh, and juggling all of it together was just a little bit too much for me. Uh, and I was kind of splitting my time between all of it. And so I really needed to sit down and say like, you know, what is most important to me? What's bringing in the most money? What am I having the most fun doing? Uh, and let's go with that. And the podcast kind of started to feel like a job because I was getting paid for it. I did need to put them out on a regular schedule. Uh, and I kind of did need to tailor my content towards what my sponsors wanted in a way. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not enjoying it as much as I once was. And this other stuff is actually making me a lot more money. So I'm going to put it on pause get the group up and running, try to kind of automate it as much as possible and then go back to the podcast and no longer have the sponsors and I can get back to kind of what I enjoyed, which was sitting down with entrepreneurs in the crypto industry and talking to them about the businesses that they built. So hopefully once these businesses kind of get automated a little bit more, then it'll be back to the podcast and I'll continue to put those episodes out. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, uh, I certainly enjoyed your podcast. I think I heard one episode, I think it was with art, not found. Um, and he was talking about sort of similar stuff about reselling and Amazon businesses. And I remember that sort of piqued my interest at the time. Um, was he involved at all on your decision to get into this or how did you sort of get into the Amazon business? How'd you get into crypto? How'd you end up in this wacky space we all know and love? Just all of it. Yeah. So um, I guess we can start with crypto because that was first. That was right out of college. Started to make money. I was like, all right, I'm going to do, I was a finance major in college. I was like, I'm going to do what every kind of you know, young professional should be doing, paying off debt, starting to invest. Saw some articles. I think Goldman was getting into Bitcoin or into the blockchain industry. And I, I didn't do too much research. 
I just said, fuck it. I'll buy a Bitcoin, see what's up with it. It was $700. Shortly after that, it had jumped to 800. I was like, I like this. Bought another. Uh, I can't remember if I bought Ethereum before or after that, but I know it was eight and $12 were the first two buys. And I just kind of watched it explode from there and fell down the rabbit hole. I hate using that term because everybody uses it on every fucking podcast ever because this is, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, man, have at it. There's no censorship here. That's fine. I apologize. (laughs) I I didn't know if that was okay. I wanted to be professional, but anyways, we all get that. You know, everyone who hosts a crypto podcast asks that question. I asked that question at the beginning of every episode Mm -hmm. and it always was kind of a similar answer. Uh, So I fell down that rabbit hole uh, and then have kind of just been fumbling along and learning (laughs) as I go. Um, And finally we're here and I still don't really know what's going on. Sure. Um, Yeah. None of us do, man. It's insane. I I really don't. And I'm not going to lie to people and be like, I'm an expert in cryptocurrencies. I know a little (laughs) bit. I know I think enough. I've made money and that's all I really care about. Um, And then the Amazon stuff came a little bit after that, it was actually after I'd taken my second job. Uh, and it was, I'd say six months into that job as another bank job. And I was like, I, I need something else. I need something on the side. I'm not fulfilled with this, you know, sitting at a desk in my suit and tie at my nine, nine to five. Uh, so I started doing it. I wasn't taking it super seriously, but it was enough to be like, okay, I'm making a little bit of extra money on the side maybe I can turn this into something. And then from there, it was the Amazon business. And then I started the podcast. And so I had those kind of two side businesses going on while I was working. And at some point I decided if I could take the eight hours I was working a day and pour it into those two businesses, I think I could really scale it up and start making more than I'm making at my job. And so I was really putting in, you know, the work for both of those after I quit wasn't still wasn't making a crazy amount of money. uh, But with that extra time, I was allowed to kind of sit down, learn, study the industry, kind of figure out what I wanted to do with both. And then they kind of both just exploded at the same time. Uh, The Amazon business took off. I started tweeting about that more. Uh, The podcast was taking off. People are coming on, taking on sponsors. Uh, And then a buddy of mine uh, that I found on, on um, crypto Twitter that I brought onto the podcast, we kind of sat down and talked about it together. We said, we're both killing Amazon. Maybe we should, you know, put together some sort of group to teach people about it. And that was, I think, start of COVID, right when the lockdowns hit. And that's kind of how things fumbled into this Amazon business and arbitrage ops that I have now that are kind of my two main businesses. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, yeah, let's talk about those. So those really are sort of, they're different, but they're the same, right? Like one is, is your own kind of personal Amazon business. Is that what you mean? And then separately you're like the arbitrage ops is teaching people about it. Is that sort of the breakdown there? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I I do want to talk about that a little bit because I have had some people reach out and say, you know, how are you able to teach people and give away kind of your strategies and your secrets uh, and how does that not affect your business? And, you know, we hear it with the traditional trading um, paid groups, you know, everyone's like, Oh, if you're a profitable trader, you don't want to be giving away your secrets. You're not going to run a paid group. Anyone who runs one is actually not a profitable trader. 
but the thing that we do, uh, so for your audience who doesn't know, I run a retail arbitrage business. And so I can get into that a little bit more before kind of carrying on this conversation. Uh, and what retail arbitrage is, is you can go into these big box stores like Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Target, Costco, any really of the big box stores. And you can go in there and you can buy certain products that are actually selling for a premium on Amazon. And so, for example, a big one when we first started the group was uh, above ground pools because nobody could get them because they were sold out everywhere. They were selling for a huge premium on Amazon. And so we told the group, hey, in your local area, go out, buy these pools, and then you can list them on Amazon and sell them for a two, three, four X. Um, and so the reason that we started the group was, you know, Soros, my business partner lives in Florida. I live in California. And then we have another business partner, Cole, who actually lives in New York. So we're all in three separate areas. We're actually able to bring on people from different parts of the country who are going out and buying stuff at their local stores. And it has zero effect on our own businesses. Um, and so that's kind of why we started it. Cause when we sat down and talked about it, we said, you know, is any of this stuff going to affect our own businesses? Like if we're running these very profitable businesses, why give that information away? Mm-hmm. But in reality, as we've brought people on, we've come to realize really isn't having too much of an effect on our business other than it's taking time away from it. But we spread our time out. You know, we'd rather be, I'd say a little bit less risky Uh, And so we've got, you know, the Amazon business and the group. If one kind of falls through, we have the other to lean on. Yeah. And I mean, I think I just Googled it and Amazon did $280 billion in revenue last year. So like, yeah, it's just a drop in the pond. If you have a hundred guys doing this, I mean, maybe it squeezes the margins on like one product, but I have to imagine that like, if you teach someone how to do it, they're probably going to find their own products or their own sort of style. It's probably a lot like trading in that way. Like you can teach people the skills. You can teach people how to like find the indicators that might work better than others or the styles or patterns or whatever. And then they can go out and develop their own feel. Is that, do you see that sort of similarity play out with the arbitrage stuff? So yes and no, you know, a big part of the group when we first get in is we have our 40 or 50 page PDF that we give to the new members. We break it down by week saying, Hey, week one, you got to get your store set up. You got to get your business set up. You got to get this, you know, your resale license or your tax exempt license. uh, And you got to do all this stuff. And then week two is teaching people how to actually get out there into these stores and find these products, what you can do, kind of different store strategies, stuff like that. And then week three and four, it's kind of refining the business a little bit and then scaling methods. And so what we really push is when you get in there, you need to get out to the stores and you need to just source as many products as possible on your own. You really need to learn how to do this. And then to complement that, we also, the three of us, and two people that we've hired go out and we look for flips for the group. And so on top of, you know, everything that you're going out and finding on your own, we're also kind of here to give our expert opinions on, okay, this is going to be a hot product or this is currently a hot product while you're out. Also be looking for this, this, and this. 
uh, for example, pools were a very good one. Another one was these, these insect, uh, it was like a, a fogger. And so what it, you put uh, pesticides in it and it would spray this mist and you're supposed to spray it on your plants. Uh, but because of COVID, people are actually putting in sanitizer and using it to disinfect their businesses. And so we said, hey, you can go out to Home Depot, you can buy this product for $99. And currently it's selling for $279 on Amazon. So if you guys are out at Home Depot and you're looking for products on your own, also look for this product. It's a great buy. So we, we kind of push people to learn it. But another big, I'd say, part of the group is having us to lean on and having us to provide these products and flips for you to just go out and buy when you see them. So, you know, back, back in college, I used to do like just a bit of this without really knowing I was doing it. I'd go to like Marshall's or TJ Maxx and I'd buy, you know, like a polo, like a Ralph Lauren polo for like 20 bucks. And then I'd go on eBay and sell it for 50. Um, exactly what we're doing just okay. at, at bigger scale, I would say, uh, you sure. know, a lot of people's kind of intro to this or the most basic way that I've seen people doing this is they'll hit up thrift stores, you know, they'll mm-hmm. buy used t-shirts, cool clothing, and then they'll list it on something like Etsy or eBay. Uh, but it's very small scale and it's pretty hard to scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this is kind of that on steroids because you can go into these big box stores and there's, you know, 10, 20, 50 of them in your state and you can hit all of them and buy the exact same product and just flip it. And it kind of becomes more, I don't want to say monotonous, but more, I guess, calculated. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. I remember, so in that eBay example, I just get murdered on fees. Like eBay takes a percentage, PayPal would take a percentage. And then, you know, you pay state taxes and you're paying. It, it just, I remember being like, okay, I ended up giving like half of it to various vendors and things. And I know you mentioned at the beginning, getting sort of this tax exempt re- reseller status. Uh, is Amazon taking the same fees that like an eBay would? Oh, they're worse because of how big, yeah, they're they're worse because of how big they are. So let me explain. I I can kind of go into it a little bit more on the model. There's two different models that you can do. Uh, We, it's FBA, which is fulfillment by Amazon. And then there's, um, there's merchant fulfilled something. It's, I, I don't know. We call it FBM fulfilled by merchant in our group. We just say fulfilled by merchant. But so anyways, you can, do one or the other. Let's start with FBM, which is fulfilled by merchant, which is me. So I go out and I buy a product and I list it on Amazon. It's already got the listing set up because these are branded products and the brand actually does all of the advertisements and all of that. So there's already a listing up that eyes are, you know, it's getting people's eyes on it. Amazon's doing all the legwork. The brand's doing all the legwork. You just buy it, you scan the barcode and you list it along with every other seller who's listing it. And let's say you get an order uh, and we do, let's just say it's a hundred dollar item. You're selling it for 200 Amazon for doing all of that legwork, all of the advertising, all of the having the platform that, you know, a hundred, 200, 300 million people are on, they take 15%. So your 15% is cut off that 200. And then you are also paying your shipping to get it to the customer. And so those are your two really big expenses. And then there's obviously cost of goods sold that you need to take into consideration. Uh, So end of the day, you're not looking at 
that great of a return, even if you are seeing a product that you can buy for $100 and sell for $200. Now, there are ways to get your shipping down uh, and you can cut costs by not having to pay tax with this license. So there's little things you can do like that to really cut down on the fees. Uh, but that big one that's going to stay constant is that 15% that Amazon takes off of every sale that runs through their platform. And, and then, quick, sorry, before you move on, quick question no. on that. Are you, so you actually go and you buy them and they're like, these are being held in your garage. So I guess if, if you never, if they never sell, you have to eat the whole cost of them, huh? So yes and no. What we kind of tell people, I like to think of this as an, if you're doing it this way, where you're holding it at your house, I like to think of it as a very limited risk business. You can put, okay, let's just use this example. So you buy 10 of those, you spend $1,000 and you're looking to flip it for $2,000 minus the fees, you get your money back, you make some profit. Say for example, the item doesn't sell on Amazon. You're sitting there, you're like, uh-oh, not selling. Most of these stores have at least a 30-day return policy. So what we've told members is, you know, if you're starting with limited capital or you're a little bit more risk averse, Go buy it, hold the product at your house. And if it gets to around that 30 day mark, take it back to the store and you're out the cost of driving to the store and storing it. And I guess some of your time for listing the products going out there, actually buying it, but they will give you a full refund for your products. Mm -hmm. So end of the day, it's not super risky. There are also stores that have longer return policies Home Depot, I know I've gone back 30, 90. I think because of COVID, they were doing actually up to 180-day return policy. And so I was testing a bunch of stuff, and there were winners, there were losers, and you just take the losers back, you can return them to the store, get a full refund, it gets put right back onto your card. Gotcha. So not a huge risk, I would say. And then are you using like 2% cashback cards or something? I'd assume you'd have some sort of savings on that side too. Yeah. So there's, it's, there's other very small things like that, that kind of just add to your margins. Um, we recommend, we can't personally recommend any specific cards because, you know, that kind of goes against our values and we'd be funneling people towards a specific credit card. But we do say, look for those cash back rewards. Uh, you know, most cards at least offer 1% uh, and sometimes up to 3%. So we're kind of trying to push our members in that direction. We've got a full list of different cards, their perks, their benefits, their costs. Uh, and that's just one more thing that you kind of need to keep, take into consideration. So I'll run through it one more time. You're buying for a hundred. Most people, because they're not getting their resale license are actually paying 107, 110. I don't know what the tax rate is in each state, county, et cetera. Uh, but upwards of, you know, 110, um, some places don't have any sales tax, don't need it there, thank the Lord, but you're already saving a couple percent there. On top of that, you're using your cashback rewards, so you're getting another one, two, three percent there. We have, we run all of our shipping through one of our members who has a setup with FedEx where we get like 60% discounts on shipping. So there's a, another little bit cut off. Uh, and then again, that Amazon feed, that is not changing. So the 15% is something that we all do have to deal with, unfortunately. Uh, but those are kind of the big ways to cut down on your costs. Uh, and then you're pretty much how we do it is we're listing it at the current price listed. That's how we do our analysis. Okay, 
currently selling for this. There are charts that you can look at to see price history, but we generally go off, it's selling for this right now. This is the return that you'll get if you buy now, sell today. Sure. So that is kind of the first way to do it. It sounds like a lot. A lot of people don't like the idea of having their garage, their room, their living room filled up with stuff. Uh, we have people in the group who say their wives are about ready to leave them and we get it. So the second way to kind of take care of it is Amazon. I don't know if you know this or if you've seen one before, but Amazon actually has these massive fulfillment centers all over the country. And so what you can do is you can buy that same thousand dollars worth of product. And instead of letting it sit in your room and shipping each one off individually as customers order them, you send them bulk to an Amazon warehouse. They sit in an Amazon warehouse. And then when a customer orders, Amazon takes care of the shipping, the handling, and any kind of returns. And it becomes a little bit more of this hands-off business. The issue with that is you're dealing with all of the fees that we talked about before. You know, the, you actually do have to pay to ship it to Amazon so that it's cheaper shipping, but you do ship it to Amazon. You deal with that 15% fee that Amazon takes for all sales. And then you also deal with Amazon's fulfillment fee or their pick and pack fee, sorry, um, which it's a variable rate depending on the size of the item. So the box dimensions and then also the weight of the item. But what we've kind of seen is it kind of almost comes out to around 15% as well. Okay. So that's on top of their other 15%. Yes, exactly. But what you kind of like, you, you have to do a little bit of an analysis because one, it gets rid of the headache of you actually doing the work. We, te we tell members, you know, what's your time worth? And then two, normally when we're shipping out to, you know, if I need to ship a, you know, a box or something from California to Florida, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg, especially if that's like a 50 pound box. Uh, whereas to ship from California to a Florida um, Amazon warehouse through their program, through their FBA program, it'll be like 60% off or something like that. So you do cut down on your shipping, but then you do pay that, sorry, you do pay that pick and pack fee. Interesting. So if you went to Home Depot and you found like a pallet of these hundred dollar ones I'm talking about, we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. could you just be like, oh, I want to buy all these, but can you ship those to Amazon or could you order them online and then ship them to Amazon from the Home Depot website. Like, are there, are there ways to do it directly to the, from the manufacturer or the retailer directly to this FBA? So Amazon does do a really good job of cutting down on that kind of stuff. Amazon kind of runs the shipping game and runs the e-commerce game. So they're pretty on top of it. Uh, but that does kind of get more into the drop shipping area uh, versus the retail arbitrage area. And that's not, I'd say, our area of expertise. I know it can be done. Um, there are some workarounds that we aren't really familiar with where you can actually get it sent to Amazon, uh, but you run the risk of getting your account banned. Uh, and the biggest thing is your margins actually get squeezed a lot. Uh, and so it's not something that we've, I guess, tried, tested, seen success with. And so it's not something that I can necessarily speak on. Gotcha. So, um, would you like, are you basically going out to the stores and you'll have like 
Amazon open and you'll be Googling products as you like walk by them or is it more? Oh, they make it way easier than that. So you can actually download, you need, you need a seller account, but you can download the Amazon seller central app. It's this nice, you know, clean orange app that you can open up. And in the top right corner, there's a picture of a little camera. You can actually just click that button and scan the barcode of pretty much any item in store and it'll pull up the listing for you. And it'll tell you how much it's currently selling for, the lowest price that it's selling for. And it'll tell you the Amazon fees. If you're going to do FBA or FBM, it'll give you those fees for you. And then you can also put in uh, a shipping template and do per pound, I think it is, where you can do like a dollar per pound and it'll estimate how much it's going to cost to ship it to one of the FBA Amazon warehouses. So you can walk through these stores, scan away, and kind of do a quick, dirty analysis on, hey, this looks like a profitable product. Let me buy one or let me buy a couple, take it home, really do the analysis, jump on the computer, uh, really do the analysis, see how much it's going to cost to either ship to a customer or ship to Amazon. uh, And then you go crazy and go buy as many of them as you can if they are profitable products. Sure. And I suppose some products are moving really quickly. So if, if you and I are selling the same product and, you know, back to these hundred dollar foggers or whatever, say I, I buy one and I'm in New York and you buy one and you're in California and we both list them. Um, do they just like put you in line? So like, and then consumers come to Amazon, they buy these foggers. And so whenever you listed this as part of this, FBM, then you'd just be the next one that gets purchased. Is that no? It so it's, it, it, it's a little bit different than that. Amazon actually has what they call their buy box, and I don't know if you use Amazon a lot. It's funny. I sell on Amazon a lot. I actually don't use it too often, uh, but if you do, there's what is called the buy box. Consumers, I wouldn't say know it as the buy box, but when you pull up a product in the on the right side. There's just a button that says buy now and it just adds it immediately to your cart. You don't see, or at least most people don't see what store that's coming from. If it's coming from Amazon, if it's coming from a third party seller, who the third party seller is, if that's even the lowest price, they just click that button and they say that they see it as this is the price I'm going to put it in my cart. And so Amazon kind of hides how their buy box algorithm works fully. But over the years, people have kind of figured out that it's based on one, your sales metrics, two, your shipping times, three, kind of your reviews, your store reviews. uh, And then also lastly, which is most important is your price. And so it takes all of those into consideration. And what it'll do is say, we're both selling, right? And say we have the exact same metrics, exact same price, exact same shipping times. Everything is exactly the same. We will both get the buy box or the buy box will be our price, our kind of metrics, and it'll cycle through both of us. So you'll get a sale, I'll get a sale. You'll get a sale, I get a sale. Or it's like I get a few sales, then the buy box gets given to you, then you get a few sales, then it goes back to me. I get a few more back to you and it cycles through all of the sellers who are kind of meeting the criteria of the buy box at the time. 
Sure. So one thing I look for a lot is I, I'm a prime member and I hate buying stuff that isn't prime eligible. I just ignore it basically. Yeah. Is, is that factored in like, so shipping times, is that what they're looking for? Is that you'll meet the prime two yes. day shipping? Exactly. See, this is another one of the huge benefits of doing FBA, which is having it in the Amazon warehouse. Amazon takes care of the shipping because they guarantee if it's at their warehouse that you will get it in two days. So most sellers don't have that two day, I will get it there no matter what. Most people can't do that. The shipping costs get too expensive. And so for you, the prime eligible products, you have to be doing FBA to get the buy box for anybody with prime on most products. Mm -hmm. Now, if there's nobody selling a product, if nobody has it FBA, all of the sellers are FBM. So they're shipping and fulfilling themselves. Then there won't be the prime eligible. It'll just be, Hey, this is the either lowest price or the best option. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I know you're saying that you don't necessarily uh, look for that, or that's a big thing that you're looking for and you'll skip out on other stuff. Uh, a lot of the products that we are selling and pushing to the members to say, hey, go buy these, they're not selling, you know, one, two, five a day. They're selling like 500, 1,000 a day. And so the people who send them off to the warehouses, they'll sell through their product very quickly. Hmm. And then it starts cycling through all the other people. So you don't necessarily need to be selling FBA to get the buy box. And people need these products so badly that they're willing to pay people who aren't shipping FBA. Gotcha. So, so like, for example, sorry, sorry to interrupt No, no, you, please, please keep going. For example, with these foggers, the first day I went out and did this with my brother, trying to get him involved in the business a little bit more. The first day we went out, we bought 48 of them from one single Home Depot and we listed them at lunch. And by the time we had gotten home and kind of unloaded the foggers from the cars, they had all sold within four hours or something like that. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. It's like, I, I have posted a few relatively big days. I've done 20 grand in a day, 30 grand in a day. And that's just me going out for a single day, buying products in these retail stores. Generally it's one product when I have these really, really big days and they all just sell instantly. Like right now we're selling, I just went out with a member of the group. We hit all of Florida or most of Southern Florida and some of Central Florida. And we brought these products that are selling for $350 on Amazon. And by the time we'd get to the next store, all of the stuff from the previous store, I'm not saying what the item is because it's still a very hot product, but all of the items that we bought at the previous store, just getting to the next store half an hour or so away at $350, we'd sell through all of them, 10 five, 15, whatever we'd get at the previous store, they would just instantly sell through. And so then you have to go out and actually like print labels for all these things, get them to the post office or the FedEx store and then get them out quick, right? Yeah. So, so generally we should our, set our handling time as a day so that we do get that buy box more often. And so for example, how we did it, the guy in the group and I, we went out, we spent all day, you know, we rented a U-Haul, spent all day filling it up. The next day we drove it to one of the big FedEx fulfillment centers. We just backed the U-Haul up into one of their docks and just took them off. And the guy said, thank you. 
We slapped shipping labels on as we took them out of the truck. He said, thank you. Have a good day. Hmm. So it was relatively quick. Uh, but yes, these are kind of things that you need to think about. You know, you do need to print the labels. You do need to ship it off if you're going to be doing FBM. Uh, and this is all kind of stuff that we talk about in the group, kind of how to streamline this entire process. I've used a lot of exchanges over the years, and they all seem to have their problems. From a lack of volume to bad, buggy UI, or the exchange crashing when Bitcoin makes a big move. Until now, that is. Femex is a new derivatives and spot exchange launched last November by a group of former Morgan Stanley execs. Femex sports lightning fast transactions, the ability to handle many transactions at once so you don't need to worry about it crashing during big moves, deep order books, and real verified volume. They have several different trading pairs and leverage options. They also have low trading fees and a killer ref plan. Be sure to use this URL for my welcome bonus, femex, P-H-E-M-E-X dot com slash A slash bully. Again, femex.com slash A slash bully. Check it out. Today's episode is sponsored by Radix. In the current financial system, transactions are slow, inefficient, and expensive. And even suppose a decentralized finance platforms, or DeFi for short, like Ethereum, were not designed to support the number and speed of transactions necessary to scale DeFi. Ethereum's solution for this is sharding, which results in scalability at the cost of composability. Radix is a new cutting-edge layer one platform for DeFi applications. Radix is specifically designed for DeFi, providing speed, security, and scalability. Radix uses its own next-generation consensus system called Cerberus, which has achieved over 1 million transactions per second in recent testing. Try doing that on Ethereum. Learn more at radixdlt.com. That's R-A-D-I-X-D-L-T.com. The DeFi revolution is the next big opportunity in the crypto financial market. RSK, the Bitcoin-based smart contract platform, is hosting exciting, secure, and rewarding apps that allow you to trade, lend, and borrow on the most robust smart contract platform, powered by more than 60% of Bitcoin's computational power. For the holders out there, why let your Bitcoin just sit there when it could be earning you money? Put your Bitcoin to work, trade without selling, spend without selling, lend and borrow on the most trusted network in the world. Hop on to rsk.co slash open finance to be part of the future and start making money on your Bitcoin today. Again, rsk.co slash open finance. That's great. And um, I, I noticed one of the things on your website, you mentioned bots. Um, are these like, is this how you sort of communicate your updates as to hot products? You'll be like, oh, here's a hot product. And then you'll enter it into the bot or are there bots for other stuff as well? So there's actually a number of different bots for a number of different things. One of which that we, so we used to pay somebody who had built it. But what it does is it scrapes a specific website and just looks at every single product that gets posted on this deals website. And then it cross-references it to Amazon's prices, takes out fees and says, hey, this is a profitable flip. And it tells you which store you can go buy it at. And then it just drops it into chat for us. So these, this is, we had someone that we were paying. We're now currently building one ourselves because we wanted to be a little more hands-on with it. Uh, and so that should be ready to go relatively soon. 
Uh, and this is one of the things that when we say, oh, we have bots, this is kind of one of the things like a sourcing bot. Mm-hmm. There's other ones, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with sneaker Twitter at all, uh, but they have bots where they can, you know, check out 50 different pairs of this specific shoe that's really hot for the day um, that's getting dropped on a specific day and then turn around and flip it for like a 2X. Uh, so there's bots where you can use them to check out products. So for example, with these very hot products that we talk about where they're on these big box websites, as soon as they hit those websites, they're out of stock. You cannot buy them. You need to be insanely quick. You know, they have the, oh, put your email in. We'll mm-hmm. email you when we restock. You can come buy more. Not possible. So we have one monitors that as soon as it restocks, it's watching the site. And as soon as it restocks, pumps it out into the group. Hey, this is restocked. And we actually have it set up where members can put in whatever item they want to monitor and they'll get a specific DM saying, hey, this is now back in stock. Uh, And then you can take it a step further where it's not just let's monitor the site, but it's as soon as it hits the site, bot's got all of my info and it can actually check it out for me and it'll just get sent to my door. So, So, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I I guess back, I'm just sort of still processing the fact that people will pay 100%, 200% markups on things just for the ease of ordering it online. Like, am I, am I that naive to think that this happens all the time and I pay maybe 100% markup on stuff I need online and I could just go to Home Depot and buy it? 100% in some cases. So yes, <laughs> you are 100% sometimes for the convenience of it, paying this massive markup. Mm-hmm. Other times, it's a little bit more complicated, uh, especially right now, supply chains are ruined. So if you go out to your local Home Depot right now, I can almost guarantee that the products that the group is currently really big on will not be there because everyone in your area has gone in there, bought them out for their personal or business use. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you then have people who are reselling who are then going in there as well. Uh, And so it's kind of everybody is trying to get their hands on this product. The everyday average Joe has a very hard time getting in there and getting their hands on one of them. So they then have to go onto Amazon's website. They can go buy a similar product in stores or they can go onto Amazon's website, have one shipped directly to their door. Um, And that kind of takes advantage of the fact that they're very hot products. People can't get their hands on them. And then in other cases, and this is actually how I started out, was there are some stores that are just specific to certain locations. There are also, you know, just cities that don't have specific stores or the the store is, you know, an hour away and someone will pay the extra 10, 15, $20 to Mm -hmm. not have to make that trip. And so you can take this down to the smallest level. Uh, And I saw an article on this a while ago And the article was on this couple that was buying the everything but the bagel seasoning salt from Trader Joe's. It's a $3 seasoning salt or something like that. And because there's not Trader Joe's everywhere and because Trader Joe's has the brand name and the recognition, people want to get their hands on it and they want to use it. They want to eat it. And so the people who don't have a Trader Joe's near them or don't want to make that you know, trek to the store and drive an hour away to get the everything but the bagel seasoning will go online and can buy it for $9.99 or something like that. And so these people who had found that specific product 
We're doing a million dollars in revenue just selling the seasoning salt from Trader Joe's. And so for anyone out there who has any kind of local store, you can walk in there right now and I guarantee you, you will find something small like that that's selling for a two, three, four X on Amazon because other people just can't get it, but they want it. Yeah, like regional stuff or... Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, it's almost taking advantage of the situation, but you're also providing a service in the fact that people do not want to be going out to the stores. They don't mm-hmm. want to be shopping. They're scared. They'd rather be in their house and be safe and be cautious. And so they're ordering everything online. And so we actually have seen a major bump in profits and in revenue because of what is going on currently. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question is I assume a lot of this is driven by COVID because, you know, we're all being told to stay home and, you know, avoid unnecessary trips to the store, et cetera. So do you think, do you foresee a big drop when the vaccine's available and people are back out in the community? Or do you think this is likely to sort of endure? Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that this is going to continue on. I mean, retail arbitrage has been a thing pretty much since Amazon started. And every single year, there's new articles on why retail arbitrage is dead, why it's no longer profitable, blah, 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 blah. Everyone wants to tell you no. Everyone's going to tell you why it doesn't work. It's all bullshit, in my opinion. What we have noticed, as a seller who was selling pre-COVID, who has now gone through kind of the changes that have come up. It's not that COVID makes this business model work. It's that you've had to adapt your business to the current situation. So there's always seasonal products. There's always new trends. There's always hot products that people cannot get their hands on and then will have to turn to Amazon. You know, reselling has been a thing for a very long time. It's how every store ever works. They buy their product from somewhere, they mark it up, they sell it to you. Mm-hmm. We're just doing that one more time. And I don't think that that's going to change. You just will have to tweak and change your business model and be kind of on top or at the front end of trends. Sure. So what do you see more of? Do you see more FBA or FBM? Like what do you, what do you do? Is it a combination how, what do so, you think is more successful? Um, well, that, that really depends. One of the biggest things we push is you really need to find what business works for you. I personally am now doing a lot more FBM. I used to do FBA. I love sending my stuff off. It just sits in the warehouse. But in my opinion, you stu- still do one need to be on top, of, very on top of your inventory management, your cash flow, all of that. And on top of that, Amazon kind of, you know, once it gets to Amazon, stuff gets lost. You still have to, you know, be very on top of it. Uh, And so I was doing all of that and I I realized like, I don't like going out to the store every day, three times a week, replenishing my inventory, sending it all off to these warehouses. And so I decided I want to focus on these very, very, very hot products, the products that are selling five, 10, 50, 100,000 units a month uh, versus these products that kind of just send off to the inventory and sit there and eventually sell off. So I've moved my business model to mainly FBM, these very, very hot flips where I can go out one day and buy as many of these products as possible. 
And I like to pride myself on getting in on these trends much quicker than everybody else. There's certain products that I've told the group, buy these now. Didn't see them in the other groups. Didn't see a lot of sellers on them on Amazon. And slowly over time, they get more saturated. And so I think I am very good at spotting and being ahead of the trend and just buying as many of them as I can, selling them in a very short amount of time. And then just saying, all right, I'm done for the month. Like I, I recently tweeted my two days of work for the month are now over, you know, it was like $8,000 in revenue on my end, which, you know, doesn't equate to a crazy amount of money for the month, but with my other stuff going on, it's like a perfect supplement to that. And then the guy I did it with actually hit about 8,000 as well. And so we both sold eight grand worth of product in a single day, one day of sourcing, one day of shipping. And (laughs) That's a, that's a salary. That's a monthly salary for some people. So for me to be able to go out and do that in two days of work and then spend my time however I please, it's kind of how I like to run my business. I'm not the, I need to make a billion dollars. I need to have this crazy big business that's better than everybody else's. I just want to make a little bit of money, continue to do my thing, be in the group. I talk about surfing a lot. I talk about spending time with my friends and family and that's why I quit my job in the first place is that stuff was more important to me than anything else. And so I've changed my business model to kind of fit my lifestyle and what's most important to me. Now, I I appreciate that. And I I truly think I'm living the dream right now. You, you follow me. A lot of people follow me. They know I just, I've been thriving lately and I've been feeling very good about it and I've been putting it out onto Twitter and into the world Um, So thank you. And I I, I really do feel like I'm living the dream. Uh, But getting getting kind of back to the different business models. My my business associate Soros, he runs his operation entirely FBA. Sorry, FBA. Uh, So he has I think he has two hundred thousand dollars worth of product sitting at Amazon right now. And it's just slowly selling off. And he goes and buys, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 grand worth of product. And he's, his big sellers are Nike and Adidas. So he's selling primarily shoes, some of their clothing, but he focuses on those two brands and he knows them super well. He knows how to shop for those items. He knows how to get them at the biggest discounts. And then he just sends it all off to a warehouse and it just churns slowly but he's constantly replenishing his inventory and he's got a big chunk of inventory sitting at Amazon. Again, I don't like that. I like to buy, get rid of it, make my money, be done. Uh, So those are kind of the two different ways to really run it. And in my opinion, you should focus on one or the other. You know, if you want to do the FBM that I'm talking about and do it, you know, 10 trips a week instead of the two that I do, you're more than welcome to. You'll make more money, you'll kill it. Or if you want to be that guy who sends all of his stuff off, gets margins crunched a little bit, has to do more of the high level overview instead of the kind of quick and dirty work, go FBA. Cool. Yeah, no, good advice. I mean, it sort of goes back to what we were saying before. You got to sort of find what works for you and then focus and hone that to make sure you're doing it right. Exactly. You know, everyone that comes into the group and everyone who kind of starts this, it's it's very overwhelming to a lot of people. And we always just preach, you know, you have to kind of take things one step at a time and you need to feel out what's working and what feels right to you. So if you jump into this and you want to say, I want to be the seller on Amazon, you can go 
look up all this information, talk to these different sellers. Everyone has a different business model and they're going to tell you different things. So I think if anyone's trying to get into this, it just needs to be one step at a time, very slowly, do what you're comfortable with and find your niche. Sure. Do you see a lot of uh, opportunities in electronics, like consoles? Like I saw the PlayStation 5 just came out and you know I remember that um, Nintendo switches were notoriously hard to get for the last six months or something. Is that, is that oh, an yeah. area of focus for you guys? So it is, it's, so we classify these as we have our, our discord set up with a bunch of different channels and we kind of classify these as the limited time flips or the one-off flips. Uh, and so we set up separate channels. We kind of give everyone the rundown on where you can get them, what times they're dropping. We run slots for them. Uh, and that's some people love to run those businesses. They just like the hot flips. Uh, they'll buy the PS5s, the Xboxes, the Switches. Uh, there's stuff like coins that'll drop every once in a while. Like a coin that recently dropped was 2,600 on the US Mint site, was selling for 14 grand on eBay the next mm. day. So it's these one-off flips that they just go out, they're hype, you know, time-limited flips is what we call them. And so we kind of just try to do our best to inform members on how they will have the best opportunity to secure them. Uh, so like, for example, Cole, our third um, admin who runs the group with us, he was actually able to secure 60 PS5s for himself. Uh, and so people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, fuck this kid, he's reselling <laughs> PS5s, he's ruining Christmas. Go out there and get it yourself. Like he went out there, he was at 15 different stores, he was running six different bots, on six different sites. Like he put in the work to secure those. If you guys want to do that, by all means, go do that. Or you can pay a resale price. Uh, but yes, that is another, I guess, aspect of this business, but it's not Amazon related because most people are gated to sell those products on Amazon. And I don't know if I mentioned that at all, but Amazon and big brands heavily gate the products that you can sell on Amazon. What does that mean? So, if I went out to the store, I scanned a pair of Nike shoes and it said they're selling for $80 or you know $90 on Amazon and they're on sale for 30 bucks right now. I'm like, okay, that's a great flip. I'll buy it, I'll send it, I'll make some money. But there's a huge counterfeit problem with Nikes. And mm -hmm. so Nike has sat down with Amazon or has spoken with Amazon and said, we do not want people reselling our products on your website unless we can prove that it's from the right sources from us, they get a letter from us, okaying it, stuff like that. And so uh, another, I guess, small part of our group is teaching people how to get ungated for that stuff so that they can sell the Nike, the Adidas, the Playstations, the Xboxes, uh, all these big electronic companies, stuff like that. Um, and so with some of those flips going back to it, sorry, I'm all over the place here. It's, it's a lot to cover. Mm -hmm. um, those PS5s, everyone is now going and selling them locally or on eBay is where I was trying to get with that. Gotcha. So uh, the gating is for each seller. So like your buddy you mentioned who sells all these Adidas products, he's presumably got some sort of letter or some sort of uh, authorization from Amazon saying, okay, fine, you source these from the proper channels so you can resell them via our platform. Exactly. And he's actually holding those very close to his heart. It actually took me close to six months to get that out of him so that <laughs> I could then get on and sell Nike and Adidas because really what it was, was he was, you know, on the product that I was selling two, three days ago, 
I was competing with 160 sellers. Still was able to sell off all of my product just fine, but it's because it's very hot. He's competing with one or two different sellers on almost every single one of his shoes that he's selling. So it, they gate it, but if you can get past that roadblock, you really open up a bunch of new possibilities and new ways to kind of make money on Amazon. Hmm. Uh, and that kind of goes back to one of our biggest kind of things that we tell people is there's going to be so many no's. From the time you go to open your account, you're going to get no, 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 no. You're going to have to overcome those. And with each obstacle that you overcome, you've weeded out another portion of the population that just said Amazon selling isn't for me. Mm-hmm. When you get to that end where you're ungated for all these different products and you're competing with four different people on Amazon, that's when you scale your business and it becomes a multi-million dollar business. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, uh, you know, I always like the success stories. You're seeing some of your guys move real money on this thing. It has blown us away because like I said, when we started this, it was COVID. It was, we started it as a free group. We said, let's help these people out. Let's share our knowledge. The idea was that if it is successful, we might be able to start charging down the road. Within the first month, I think we had four or five people break a hundred grand in sales their very first month on Amazon. Oh my and now, God. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. We, I, I didn't do a hundred grand in sales that month because I was up getting the group running. There were sellers in our group who were doing more in sales than I was. It was insane. And then from there, people have really come into their own. Uh, they've kind of kept that streak of around a hundred grand a month because the first month was when those pools were selling and you could buy a $60 pool and sell it for like $600. So it was insane. Probably mm-hmm. the best month of anyone's Amazon history. But, uh, you know, people have kind of kept that trend, continued to grow. Uh, we've seen a couple people who have now broken half a million dollars. I think one of our top sellers, we're all around six months in, all the new sellers, uh, is at 600, maybe 700 grand right now uh, for those six or seven months that he's been in the group. And we Dude. actually took... That's Sorry, insane. God. That's I just like, I mean, that number might be like, you may be desensitized to that a little bit, but 600 fucking thousand dollars for six months of work is insane. That's like what, you know, a hedge fund manager in New York makes like, it's, this is insane. Okay. Sorry. So let, let me, let me clarify here. This is revenue. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is rep one. This is revenue, but two, here's the kicker. We talk to these people and we're like, what are your profit margins looking like? They say 40 to 50%. Okay. So he's still doing 300 grand in that six month period. Yeah. Granted the dude is working himself to death. Sure. You know, he's up every single day, crack of dawn. He's hitting stores. He's shipping products. He's meeting with new people to kind of grow his business. He's working himself. Uh, I don't want to say to death, but to death pretty much. Right. Um, yeah. It takes a high level of hustle to get to that. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. But that's the thing is now that these people are kind of starting to come into their businesses and kind of figuring out what they want to do, our big plan with the group was once they get to this point, now we start giving them the outsourcing methods, the how to scales, the hiring VAs, the software that you can use to kind of automate a lot more of it. And so we wanted to see them kind of get to this point, know that they can. And now we're kind of teaching them how to get a little bit more hands off with it. (laughs) So one second, sorry. I I just want to, cause this one, let's keep going. Yeah. This one blew my fucking mind. Um, the, 
we had a business insider, uh, someone from business insider come on, they wrote an article for us, but it was one of those like uh, something contributors or whatever they are. I'm, I don't know. The words are escaping me, uh, but she came on, we started talking about it. We put the feelers out into the group. We have a little advanced section in our chat. That's only for specific members. We said, Hey guys, send in revenue screenshots and tell us what your profit was on it. And the top 10 dudes in the last six months have broken a million, had broken a million in revenue from whenever that article was written. I think it was like maybe a month ago, maybe a little bit less. Uh, and then the top, I think they had done 2 million in revenue, about a million in profit. And then the top 20 had gotten up to 3 million and around 1.5 million in profit. And that's just from the top 10 to 20 people. Um, but again, those guys are the outliers. Those guys who are, are, those are the guys who are putting in the work every single day. They're not taking days off. They're asking questions. They're looking for resources in the group. You know, they're really, they're running their business the way you should be running your business to get to, you know, 500 grand in sales in six yeah. months. How many, how many people are in the group? So we just broke 600 members, I believe. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, you know, are, are people like hiring assistants? I mean, I, you'd think at a certain point you could hire like a college kid to, to pack or, you know, to go out and buy the stuff you find or, you know, it seems like there's a great opportunity there to like hire a few people, delegate it and really scale the shit out of it. Yeah. So that's actually what Soros has been doing over the last six months as we've kind of been running the group is he has really been, been becoming more hands-off. He actually now has two buyers that go out and buy for him. He gives them, he's kind of trained them and taught them the products that he likes, the margins that he likes, uh, different colors, shoes, sizes, etc. cetera. Uh, and they go out and he just gives them his credit card and they go out and they buy five grand worth of product for the day. And he pays them $12 an hour plus some sort of little bonus for every thousand that they spend. Mm -hmm. And then he has them ship it off to a fulfillment center, distribution center, who then packages it all up, makes it all nice and pretty, and then sends it to an Amazon warehouse. So right now, Soros does not see the shoes that he sells online. His buyers <laughs> buy it, they go to that warehouse, they package it up, it gets sent to Amazon, Amazon sends it to the customer, the customer keeps it or sends it back to Amazon, Amazon then resells it. Unbelievable. I yeah, mean, so, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the outsourcing that we're now teaching to these bigger guys who've kind of shown that they can take that initiative and run a business that's, you know, got 500 grand pumping through it. So with the, you mentioned the tax exempt thing a few times, are people like setting up just an LLC in their state and then doing it as sort of a pass through entity or how, how are you getting the tax? I'm not a tax attorney and I don't know a ton about taxes or the exempt statuses you can get. So is there some sort of exemption for resellers? Yes. Yeah, so it's actually the, the resale license that we kind of tell people to go get. And I'm not a tax expert either. And it varies by state. So what we've done is we've said, you can go get this, this thing exists, but you're going to have to talk to your CPA. You do need to get an LLC set up that much I can say, and then you can apply to get this license. Uh, and from there, you just go into the store, you either give them your phone number or a little, little card pretty much that says I'm exempt. And they take the tax off and you pay exactly what it says, sticker price. 
<laughs> I, how does that, I mean, how does that work? It's just, that seems insane to me that you just like, Oh, we just found this way around paying taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing is because you are not buying it for personal use oh, and you're then okay. passing it on, Amazon then takes the tax from the customer. I got gotcha. you. So it avoids state. double taxation then. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Well, that's, that's great. I'm happy that exists. I frankly didn't know about that until an hour ago. So <laughs> appreciate it. Um, Most people don't. That's the thing is, you know, this is, it's, it's a very niche kind of business. There's a lot of ways to run with it, but it's very niche. You're buying stuff in stores that most people buy for personal consumption mm-hmm. and then you're reselling it and that's your business. Uh, so there's all these little things that, you know, you would never know if you weren't a reseller or that wasn't your business. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I made this outline for this podcast and I had like a bunch of stuff on it and I've probably gotten like a third of the way through it just because I find this stuff so interesting. So um, I, I, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about like what else you're working on and like projects and what else you have in store um, for the group and sort of for your business, et cetera. So I, I don't know, is there anything else you want to chat about? Yeah, definitely. Before we get into that, I, I saw that outline you sent me. We did skip over a lot of it and I apologize. Um, is there any like rapid fire questions that you want me to just burn through before we get into that kind of last part, what, what the plans are? Well, you know, we're, it looks like we're in the midst of a crypto bull run. Are you taking any of your profits and shoving them into altcoins or Bitcoins or DeFi? Or do you think we'll have an alt season? Like these are the, I was going to get to the sort of crypto side of things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I mean, my name is crypto Charles underscore underscore. So (laughs) we can get into the crypto part of it. I'm really bad at crypto. I'm going to be honest. Like I lost, I made and then lost a ton of money on DeFi. Uh, and so do I think, I don't know, do I hope and pray for a DeFi run? Yes. I just this morning and yesterday sent more ETH over to Uniswap so that I can buy more DeFi alts. So I do think we are going to have some sort of run. I don't know what Bitcoin's doing right now. We're like playing around with 18K. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's done since we've been on this call, uh, but we are inching towards all time high and just every piece of news in my opinion is dumb bullish. You know, this hedge fund manager is coming right. out saying we're buying Bitcoin. This guy puts his cash reserves into Bitcoin. Uh, the retail FOMO isn't there yet. And I do think that that was a lot of what drove the last run. I don't know how much. So like that will be the case this time, but you got people who are just buying it up on Coinbase. It's going to push the price up. Yep. People, more people start to FOMO in. Uh, and so I, I have said this since the beginning of the year, we're breaking all time high this year. I still think that that is going to happen from there. I could see some sort of huge sell off. I'm actually looking at a couple prices where I want to go very heavily into Bitcoin. Um, but right now it's kind of just, I've actually sold some of my Bitcoin to pump into my Amazon business. Mm-hmm. And then what I've been doing is as I've needed cash, I'll pull some out, I'll put it into the business. I do the quick little turnaround flips two weeks later, I got my money back and then I'll put it back into Bitcoin. Uh, so right now I'm kind of just sitting in a ton of Bitcoin, don't have too much inventory, and I'm kind of looking for that next really big hot flip. And I might, you know, take some profits, funnel it into Amazon and then funnel it back into Bitcoin. Nice. 
I love it. I, you know, I keep looking at Ethereum and Ethereum. Oh, I'm going deep. I'm, I'm buying so much Ethereum. My name used to be Charles the ETH. Like I'm That's stupid. Right. I am stupid bullish on Ethereum. I think the chart looks great. People, the chart looks like ass. Well, fuck you. We're going to all time <laughs> high for sure. For uh, sure. I say that jokingly, but no, I, I, I very much am bullish on ETH. I am trying to get my hands on as much of it as I possibly can. What do you think about ETH 2.0? Have you looked into it at all? Not much other than what we need like 400,000 Ethereum deposited to get it kicked off. And yeah, that's right. We're at like a hundred K or something like that. Like it's moving along slowly. And I, I was just thinking about this, you know, people are throwing tens, hundreds, thousands of Ethereums at these rug pulls, these absolute shit coins. Mm-hmm. We've got ETH 2.0 sitting right here and nobody wants to throw Ethereum at it. It really blows my mind. Um, but I, I don't know. We, we've been talking about it for so long. It's been pushed back so many times. I've kind of just said, you know, when it happens, it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a large catalyst, even though, you know, it's not going to be anything wild at the time. I think that that transition will make people very bullish on it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I, I actually had a guest on last week and this episode will come out, I think in a week or so, but he, t- he's, a co-founder of Bankless and super deep in the ETH community. And his point was, well, there's no incentive to to lock it up early. I think the deadline's at the end of the month. It's now the 19th. Um, so like, why would you send your ETH and lock it up early when you could potentially make yield off of it for the next week or two, you know, farming sushi or whatever, what other shit coin do you want to farm right. in the meantime? So, you know, it makes sense that like people aren't rushing, but I bet as the deadline gets closer, you're going to see that number spike pretty quick. That just gets filled up like that. Yep. Makes cool. complete sense. Cool, man. All right. So what, uh, what else, what else you got? What else you working on? What are, what are your uh, sort of what's in store for the future here? Yeah, so we have very big things planned. I don't want to sound over dramatic here or anything, but no, I mean, I came to Miami to work on this business. I drove here across the country and I am now in Miami working with my business partner. We couldn't do it just sitting at our laptops on coast to coast. So I'm here and we've just been banging shit out for the group literally every single day. You know, it's okay, we've, we've done this for the group. We now have hired a second person to be full-time to source products for the group. We've hired another one to take care of all administrative stuff so that we can be the high level kind of overview and oversight of the group. Uh, So the plan with this group is to automate it in almost every way possible so that we can kind of be the high level advisors and I can do what I do best, which is find these very, very, very hot products and push them to the group so that we can be one of the first on it our members can make money and then it'll get saturated over time. I think that's where I thrive. And then on Soros' side, he is kind of the mindset. He runs, you know, how to run your business efficiently, how to scale it properly, how to turn it into like a very serious multi-million dollar business. He's going to take care of that entire side. And then our third guy, Cole, he's young, he's very brilliant. He works on a lot of, you know, the bots, the automation, that sort of stuff. So we're pretty much just kicking him project after project. All right, do this, make this easier for members. Uh, right now, the most recent thing is a super small thing, but it's a ticket system. You just open a ticket in the group and you've got a number of different things you can do. You can 
go to our shipping guy and get cheap shipping by just putting in your information. It's pretty much all automated. You can buy certain ungate packages that other members have put together. Uh, and our VA will be like, all right, here, it's this much. You get this package. Now you can go get ungated for Nike, Amazon, Adidas, whatever it is. Sorry, Nike, Adidas, uh, EA, whatever it is. Um, so it's just little stuff like that, that he just like builds that automates things, makes things better. And that's the plan with the current group. We don't have a cap on the number of people we want to get it to, but we do want to continue to grow it at a slow pace so that current members who are in there can continue to stay profitable because we bring in 5,000 members who are then all trying to get on these specific hot items. It's no longer profitable. Mm -hmm. So growing slowly, but we plan to build it out 2021. We plan to get to kind of our carrying capacity for that group. On top of that, we have just now started a second group, beta testing, going to be free. We're in the works, I would say. And this one is for those more experienced Amazon sellers. They've already got up and running. They know how the Amazon business model works. And what it's going to be is the Amazon to Amazon arbitrage ops, pretty much. That's our arbitrage ops, their name. Uh, but it's going to be Amazon to Amazon. So what you can do here is Amazon will list a product. They list it at retail. You can buy that product from Amazon on Amazon, have it shipped to your door, send it back to Amazon's warehouses. And when Amazon runs out of stock, you can then sell it for like three times the price. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's <laughs> disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> it really is. Oh and so God. we've partnered up with a guy who's done 10 million in sales. And we've said, teach us how to do this. And we'll teach our members how to do it. And you're just going to be our go-to guy in that group saying, this is an item that Amazon's currently selling at an 80% discount compared to every other seller. Go buy it out. And so with a group of people, you can literally buy out their stock. It'll get shipped to you. You send it back. And now you can immediately list it at the three to four times multiple or two, three, four times multiple. Hmm. It's, it's insane. That's interesting. Do you think um, Amazon would ever come down on, on someone for doing that? No. So that's the thing. He, we, we thought that was the case, which is why we have not pushed members to do it. Mm -hmm. We are very big on be as by the books as possible. Do not cut any corners. Amazon will ban your account for anything. Mm -hmm. And we've talked to him. He's been doing this for literally years. This year, he will finish the year at 10 million in revenue. And he has said not once ever have I had a problem with it because Amazon's making their money. They're selling it at, you know, MSRP. They're making money there. You then send it back and they're taking a 15% cut of that. They're making money hand over fist. So they do not give a shit. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. They're collecting three times, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild. You know, if you do FBA, they're then doing the shipping and handling and all that. And they're not paying their employees at their warehouses, what they're charging us right. for that shipping and handling fee. So they, they are raking in the bucks. And so, no, I do not think they care. As long as you do it specific ways is what he's saying. He's, you got to still be by the books, which is kind of a big part of Amazon selling is navigating their weird laws and rules, mm -hmm. but you are able to still do it. And so that's kind of the break off group for those more experienced guys who are saying, all right, I'm at my limit here. I can start outsourcing this, but I want more. Mm -hmm. We're going to push them to this. We'll give them those Amazon to Amazon flips. 
Are you seeing people do this like part-time or is this like the real successful people are just like, this is 12 hours a day, six days a week type deal? So we've kind of stopped asking about people's kind of stories. Now that we're six months in, we have 600 members. There's members coming in and out pretty often. Uh, But when we first started it with that initial group, we were very hands-on and we wanted to know everybody's story, talk to them about it. And there were actually a couple guys who were working their nine to fives and doing this on the side. And we thought, okay, you know, you'll make a couple extra thousand a month max doing it on top of your nine to five. Some of these dudes were hitting 10, 20, 30, and $40,000 in revenue in that month while working their nine to five. So they were blowing me out of the water. Those guys were literally working 10, 12, 15 hour days. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, they were putting in that work, but then there are the people who just do it as kind of a little side hustle. They do an hour or two after work at the store, source a couple products, do that five nights a week, put it all together, package it up into a nice box, send it off to Amazon and you make a couple hundred bucks. Mm. So, you know, every, what we tell people is every single trip to the store, you can at least put a hundred dollars in your pocket. You should not be walking out of a store with at least that in your pocket profit after all is said and done. There's just so many products that are selling with that Delta on Amazon compared to what it is in store. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're, we're already like 10 minutes over. So I, I, I gotta let you go, but man, this is super interesting. I could probably ask you two more hours worth of questions on this because I find it so fascinating. So I think, uh, can you, can you remind my listeners what the addresses, like what the web addresses are, what your Twitter handle is. And so, so people can find it. Yeah, of course. Uh, the Twitter handle is Ar- Arbitrage Ops. I was trying to think it's Arbops or Arbitrage Ops, but it's Arb- at Arbitrage Ops. And then the website, same thing, arbitrageops.com. Awesome. Um, so I don't know if you need the spelling of that. I can send it to you afterwards, but. No, I'll put it in the show notes. I have it. And what's, what's, your, um, what's your Twitter address? Oh, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if your, your audience <laughs> needs that one, um, but it's, it's crypto Charles underscore underscore. I'm very vulgar on Twitter guys for you guys who are listening. We're like, wow, this guy sounds very professionally runs a great Amazon business. That's not my Twitter. <laughs> Check it out if you want, but don't be shocked that it's just absolute nonsense when you get there. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, my my moniker is bully. So I, I will remind my listeners that none of this is investment or legal advice and, you know, do what you will and talk to your folks. If you need legal or investment advice, this is just a conversation. But anyhow, Charles, it was a pleasure. I really appreciate your time. This is super interesting, super informative, and it's fun to see my Twitter friends kicking the shit out of everything. So good work. Congratulations. I'm excited to see what you guys come up with next. Hey man, I really appreciate it. It's the first time I've actually been able to talk about, you know, just everything that we've built in the last Mm -hmm. six months. So I appreciate you giving me this platform and taking the time out of your day. Thank you so much, man. No problem. Take care. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes go live every Wednesday at 7am Eastern links to our Apple and Spotify channels are in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter at BullyESQ to continue the conversation. See you next week.